Episode 47, The Rant. Nelson Santiago, Division I men's official, G League official, and enjoying the journey and how he got there. What we find most impressive of Nelson is not the level of where he's at in the game of officiating, but his approach. He discusses his precocious beginnings in Central Florida, falling in love with adjudicating the game of basketball, and what that journey, his experience, means to him. Along with my co-host Michael Grant, my conversation with Nelson now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah. Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land, code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tux. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's referee rant, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref, and I'm with a special guest and with my co-host, Michael Grant. What's up, Mike? How's it going? We are with Nelson Santiago, G League official, as well as a Division I men's college official. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, how are you guys? We're good. Good, good. Uh, end of a long basketball season, but it's been fun. Hey, man. Um, so w- what's going on with you today? You're on the road? Yeah, I'm on the road. I'm about to work uh, my last NCAA college basketball game of the season. I'm heading to Francis Marion um, over in um, South Carolina. So I'm on the road for that, but have a couple G League games left. Um, so definitely looking forward to those and, and then getting back on the grind this, you know, off season to prepare for another season. Yeah. Basketball never stops and neither do we. Um, so where did you gain your affinity for your love of sports? Um, what sports did you play when you were growing up and how good were you? I started, you know, balling as far as in a league organized when I was about 11 years old. Um, basketball was definitely my favorite sport, but, you know, realistically it was like the only sport I was really playing because, you know, we were not, um, very well off. So, you know, baseball was really expensive to play. And then, um, as far as football goes, you know, Ma was super, um, protective of me. So, uh, that was not an option. And, you know, wasn't really thinking about any other kind of sports. Uh, even though I am Latino, uh, Latinos don't all play soccer, so soccer was out of the question. Uh, so, yeah, it was basketball. Basketball was, was, was the jam, and, and, and it was the sport that I, you know, was was better at. Uh, Nelson, where did you grow up? Yeah, so, you know, I've kind of... Living right now in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the fifth state that I've lived in. Um, so that's kind of sometimes a hard question to answer because I was born in Los Angeles, California, but um, left there when I was about four years old. Um, moved over to Boston, Massachusetts, where we were only there for about two years. And then from there, moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. So, you know, I lived in West Palm Beach uh, for 12 12 years of my life, so definitely the bulk of my um, childhood uh, was in West Palm Beach, uh, then moved over to Orlando, Florida, um, for pretty much another 12 years, uh, 
So Florida, by that account, is is, is home more than anywhere else. And is that where you got your start officiating in basketball? Yeah, so um, I started officiating basketball uh, junior year of high school. Um, my first job uh, was as a scorekeeper in the, in the basketball league that I used to play in. And uh, one day, one of the, the guys that used to rep the kids um, he used to do it for community service hours. And when he finished up the community service hours, he stopped showing up. So uh, my boss at the time, uh, Bill Goldson, he threw stripes on me and said, you know, you go ref these kids. And uh, I really liked it. And, and any time a, a ref wouldn't show up for a game or would be running late, you know, I would have my stripes on me and I'd throw it on and I'd hope someone would be late or not show up so I could ref. Uh, so then my senior year of high school, uh, I, I, I did the same thing, did a little, uh, the smaller group of children, and then started working a little bit of the older kids. And there were a couple uh, gentlemen in that league that did high school ball as well. So they would watch my games and kind of shadow me and speak to me while I was officiating to put me in a proper position, et cetera. Well, that same boss, Bill, um, he had a relationship with Jim Wilkening over at the University of Central Florida, where I went to undergrad and grad school. And he picked up the phone and called Jim and said, hey, I have a guy that, you know, works for me over here. He just started wrestling. And, you know, I think he'd be an asset to your program. Uh, so went one of the first days of school, me and Ray Acosta, now an MBA, uh, as a referee, he and I went over and met Jim and, you know, got hooked up with his officiating class at UCF every Tuesday, you know, for 10 weeks. And, you know, the rest was history as far as from the beginning. So you got the bug early. You said you liked it right away. What did you like about it uh, back when you were... It, it, it was a challenge. It was a new challenge and... I was picking up on it very quickly. Uh, and, you know, I think Ralph asked earlier, like, how good up was I when I balled? Like, I was middle of the ground. Like, I was mediocre. I was never a great basketball player. I was scrappy. I could jump really high. That was, like, probably the biggest asset to my game was my hops. But, you know, I was all of probably back then, like, you know, anywhere from 5'7 to 5'9, weighing above 30 at best, and uh, so, like, I wasn't going to go far as an athlete or as a player in basketball, so officiating kind of opened up a a different avenue to stay around the game that I was passionate about and that I love to be a part of, and, like, I was actually, like, good. I was, I was doing well. I was, I was, I was succeeding, you know, Um, so that, that that motivation to want to be the best official on campus and want to get better and, you know, want to be a part of the elite uh, officials from UCF was just, you know, it was, it was very appealing to me and, and I, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I looked up to some of the guys like Steve Anderson and Brett Barnicky, Eli Rowe, uh, Eric Lewis that were all there you know, training us and, um, and, and, and they were all, you know, on, on the come up and, and most of them weren't even in the NBA yet. You know, this is back in 02, 03. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was like, um, I entered a culture of, of officials that wanted it as bad as I did. Um, I, I always, you know, I always wanted to be at the top, you know, in, in, in this in this location. Now, I want to stay right there for a moment. Um, I want to kind of educate our listeners, you know, myself and Ralph about UCF. Not most, not many people understand the influential program that UCF officiated an intramural program has to 
um, really the game of basketball. So can you kind of go into a little bit of explaining the UCF training model and why it's produced so many high-level officials? I mentioned Jim Wilkinsing earlier. You know, when I got to, like I mentioned earlier, to undergrad as a freshman, um, at that time, Jim had already um, begun this officiating class in the fall semester where, you know, it had limited, you know, seats, but it was like, it was for students and for the community, and he had amazing um, people training there. You know, you had, you know, anywhere from a J.B. Caldwell to all the names I mentioned earlier who are, you know, now NBA referees or at one point were NBA referees. Um, and it, it was actually a class that had um, that Don Rutledge had started uh, years before that, um, way before I ever moved to Orlando. But um, when Don um, passed it on, I guess, to Jim, um, that's where that's where we've all come from. All of us have come from that 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 class at UCF that takes place in the fall on Tuesdays. And you know, I always talk about like. You know, it's not necessarily that I wanted it more as a freshman and a sophomore than, you know, a student at a school in Nebraska. It's just that I w was blessed with the opportunity to be at a university that had amazing teachers and trainers for officials. That's, that's rare. That's unique, you know. Um, really, the only way you kind of get that is, like, camp during the summer, but that's not a 10-week program that's, you know, well done. That's just like a weekend, and, and, and it's hard to, to get that in a weekend, that level of training. But when you have it over 10 weeks and it's at the beginning of your training, as an official, you're, you're practicing good habits and watching game film from the moment you begin officiating. So, like, you know, I meet other young officials or officials that – you know, don't know how to clip plays or don't know how to um, break down film. I, I, like, I've been trained in that for 17 years now, you know, and, 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 and so has every other official that comes out of UCF that are a part of that class. And when you have a fault, solid foundation in this world of officiating, you know, you you know, it's like anything else that you build with a solid foundation. You know, you, as long as you keep building on top of that solid foundation with quality product, you're going to get a quality official or a quality product. And, uh, and, you know, there were also things like, you know, over there where, you know, you start off at going to gym class. And then back then, J.B. Caldwell used to have, a camp that you would go to them during the summers and that would also continue to train you. And then after you, you did that for about two years, then you would go to your first Juco camp and, and you were trained by the older officials, you know, how to camp, you know, how to dress, how to take notes, how to pay attention, things that, you know, once again, a lot of people that just want to referee and don't have a group of people that are, telling them the way, you know, we, we basically had a roadmap to from when you start to how you get into high school, middle school, you know, community ball, JUCO, D2, D1, and then either staying on the D1 side of the house or the pro side of the house. And, you know, where else does this roadmap exist in officiating? I don't, I, I don't know a lot of other places that have that. You know, of course, there's other great programs out there like Full Club, um, and but you know, besides that, I don't, I don't really know many um, places that and, and systems that are available um, to the community of officials. Uh, thank you for speaking on that. Like I said, I think I don't think a lot of people know about that UCF program, how unique it is, and how influential it is to the game of basketball at every level yeah i think that's uh that's a crazy story that you just told because uh me and michael we're we've been uh trained in the same place 
uh, I guess initially when we laid down roots of starting our high school career here. Uh, but we didn't really have that type of support around us and that type of culture. We kind of just had to figure that out piecemeal. So it was really great to hear something like that. Now, segue into uh, what you were saying before, that you were saying that uh, your junior year, uh, you ended up getting into the college ranks. So just discuss how you elevated it and how your um, your already strong foundation that you had uh, basically colored the, the way you shaped uh, how you were going to take your trajectory onto college. My first year coming out of um, the, the class that I've been speaking about, um, that that year when basketball season came about, the highest level I officiated up to was middle school basketball. Uh, and, and then just like community basketball and then intramural basketball. Then <clears throat> that summer, you know, we basically, you know, all the ref junkies, we, we all, you know, stayed ref in AAU basketball. Thankfully, once again, another thing that just happened to be, you know, work out is that Orlando and Disney Wide World of Sports were hosting AAU ball pretty much all summer. And we would just referee all summer. And, you know, UCF would get a couple courts and to assign, and we would just go out there and, and just work all summer basketball, basketball, basketball. I remember back in those days logging in, you know, working a little over 250 basketball games, you know, my first year and then as, a, as a freshman in college and, and then again, in my second year of college. So my second year, when I actually went and did basketball, I got six high school basketball games uh, and then kind of followed the same path that I've shared about my first year. And then by summer, you know, that summer um, is when I went to my first JUCO camp and got picked up. Um, so it was kind of bizarre because when I went and worked, you know, my first junior college basketball game my junior year like I had only worked six high school basketball games um and here here I was with a, a six game schedule in junior college um so I remember in that first game uh when we called when a team called a timeout I didn't even know where to stand um, I had to ask my crew chief hey where do, where do I stand during the timeouts you know so uh that's just how fresh I was into officiating it. And, you know, we were just given a lot of opportunities the next year, my senior year of uh, college. Uh, Dr. Campion, who was our assigner, um, gave me 14 games. So I went from six games, 14 games, to 22 games, you know. And then he started putting me as a crew chief. So, like, talk about, like, having to grow up quick and learn the game quick and, and just being given opportunity. Uh, but thankfully, a lot of the training that I had, you know, began to prepare me for it. And, of course, that first, those first six games of my, you know, first year, it seemed like they were, those guys were running so fast, where now it would be like watching paint dry. But, you know, I, my, my eyes aren't weren't trained for that speed yet, but, you know, it all slows down with time. Every, every level you go up, you know, you, you get used to it. And then, you know, as you go back and work other games, it just becomes a little bit slower as your as your eyes adapt. And, and you know, our eyes and muscles have muscles as well. So we have to we have to work those out and and and, and then things kind of just slow down. It seems like you elevated, uh, you know, quickly, deservedly so. Um, keep talking us through your journey. You went to JUCO, got picked up for college, made your way to D1. How'd you get into the uh, grass, NBA grassroots program? So with the, um, you know, I one goal that I always had uh, when I was, you know, young into officiating, and in 2001 is when the, at the time, the, the development league, the NBA's development league, the D-League, um, began. So I... I had made it a goal back then. I was like, I always, I, I want to be in the D League. I want to be in the D League. Like that's my goal, you know. And then from there, we could figure out NBA, uh, or you know, is it going to be a major, you know, D one conference or, or conferences? You know, I don't know. But I always wanted to be in the D League, um, and 
So as, as my time went on and as I progressed and, and as guys that were coming up with me, you know, like Ray, Acosta, like I mentioned, and Vladimir, Boyards at all, um, you know, we all got in at different times, like, you know, and, and when they first got in uh, or, or got invited to these different programs and whatnot, and I did, and I was kind of like, you know, um, kind of a little disappointed, but at the end of the day, it, it was just about, like, keep keep working on your craft and, 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 and it'll come about. So, you know, when J.B. Caldwell took it over as far as the, the scouting program, he came and watched a couple of my games um, his first year and I, I didn't get the invite. Uh, he, he had shared with me that I was, I was getting closer, um, but that there were some things to work on. And as long as I, you know, continue to progress, that I'll I'll probably be getting an invite at some point. But you know, got to keep working. So I did, and and then you know that next year when he he saw me, he saw that I put in the work that he had told me about. Right. So it shows that I was coachable when you know when an assigner, when a clinician, or when anybody watching you is sharing things with you. That next time they see you, they better see that you have, you know, implemented what they have shared with you so that, you know, it shows that you're coachable and that and that, and that you can grow. Um, so I showed that growth and, you know, when that uh, little showcase invite came out, I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the grassroots um, invites came out, I got one of them and, and, uh, and I was, of course, extremely excited and, and just ready, you know. And, and one thing about my journey is that when I worked my first Division One game, heck yeah, I wanted to be three years before that, if not even more, right? But the cool thing is that it's better, and people talk about this all the time, it's better to be, you know, a year late than a year early. And for me, maybe it was three years later than what I thought or, or two years later than what I thought I was ready, just kind of like the, the, the G League, um, as it's now called. But it, to go out to your first game and have the confidence to know that you're ready is so empowering. And, and, and that's how I felt when I got invited to grassroots. That's how I felt when I worked my first Division One game um, was I'm, I'm ready for this opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that, that's something that, you know, I see, you know, nowadays kind of changing is like, I hear a lot of young officials talking about obviously wanting it now. And, you know, as we've talked about, you know, in this segment, the journey, you know, I was taught from the beginning to enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey. You know, the journey is going to have highs and lows. The journey is, you know, it's going to bring frustrations and joy. But as long as you're enjoying the journey that you're on, then you'll be, you, you will have lived it versus pushing fast forward and wanting to already be in the NBA today or be, be in, the, in the G League today or be in a, on a Division One roster today. Like, you got to put in the work. you got to see the plays. you got to get your reps in. Like, you know, I'm sure people who start working out want to be swole tomorrow, but that's not how it works. You gotta, you gotta go into the gym, get your reps in, and then be consistent. And you, you only keep the muscle that you grow if you keep working out. Um, and it's the same with officiating. You can't sleep on this. Um, you know, one thing that I, I try to pride myself on is, is the work and the work ethic. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to come up and, and they're really good and technology is helping people get good. So if you sleep and, and on, on your craft and on your skill set as a referee, people will fly past you. Uh, so it's one thing to say you want it, but, you know, the work that you put into it will be the true um, 
the, 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 the true testament to how much you really want it. That's, that's really informative. I think that's super helpful to um, the people in our audience and really to us. Uh, if you can give us a quick tidbit of some, one or two of the things that J.B. Caldwell told you that went, was different from you not making it the previous year and to getting that invite the second year, what was one of the two things that you was working on? You know, one of, one of the things that, you know, I had to work on, um, you know, I spoke about earlier about, you know, coming out of high or being in high school playing ball and, you know, being small and scrawny. Um, well, I was able to put a little bit of mass on in college, but not much. Um, but thankfully, once I hit my 30s, I was able to kind of retain some mass. And, you know, one of the things about officiating at any level is athleticism. And so one of the things I needed to work on was on my my athleticism, my, my physique, uh, I, I need I needed to look more like an athlete and and, and have some math and 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 whatnot. So you know that that was one thing more on the physical side of the things. And then you know part of NBA standards is fitness. So fitness is important, and it should be it should be important at all levels. And then the second thing. Um, that I had to work on was just, um, I would say, uh, like believability, right? Like it, for people who are a little bit smaller in stature, you know, I'm about 5'10 now, um, you know, we, we have to project. Um, we have to we have to rep big. And, you know, it kind of went hand in hand because as the fitness came, so did the, like, strength and the mechanics and then and the believability of, of, of the mechanics and and uh, so you know that that was the I would say the second piece was was the um, wrapping big and, and, and believability. Word that was man you are you are inspiring me in real time I must say Nelson so thank you for first and foremost um, when it comes to your influential mentors I, I would believe so that all of the people that have come after you you have been able to impart uh, much of your wisdom to them. Describe um, your, I guess, your your keenish eye of spotting talent and trying to groom them and uh, placing those and implanting those uh, fundamentals that you learned before them. I definitely work with a lot of uh, young officials. I was actually working with one uh, today or right before I got on, on, on the road, and, um, and we were breaking down one of his high school games from this weekend, and... You know, I can't want, I always talk, tell them, like, I can't want it more than you. I'm here, and I'm available for you. You know, you want to work with me on film, you want to work on me with, with me on mechanics, whatever the case may be, we will put it on the calendar. But you need to make, take that initiative to reach out to me and, and, and to set something up with me. Because once it gets on my calendar, it, it's a lock. We're, we're going we're gonna to put in the work. We're going to do what we set out to do. Um, but you got to want it. You got to want it. And, and one thing that I definitely have learned in mentorship is that it, when you get exhausted, when you want it more than them and you're putting in more work than them. So through the years I've been able to, you know, like I just shared, be available and let them know to reach out to me. So thankfully that's one of the things that, um, I still, uh, hold truth to anyone that I mentor, um, you know, because I can tell if they're putting in the work or not. And, and, you know, like that coachable piece, um, you know, I, I definitely look for, you know, young officials who are really going to listen. You know, I think that sometimes you have some officials that say they want it, say that they're listening, say that they're here to learn, um, but then you're telling them simple things to do and, and, they're, and, they're, not, and they're not doing it. Um, so it's definitely important for young officials who are working with mentors to, to you know, 
value value each other's time. Uh, I also have um, actually have just you know also just different things uh, that I share when it comes to camping. You know, like this this is a business built on camping. So whether you're going to grassroots or whether you're going to your first NCAA camp to try to get hired, you know, this this business is about more than just officiating. It's it's more than just what you do on the court, you know. We're we're definitely heading in a direction where it's about being a good person. Like, they're looking for good people first, and then someone who shows that they have, they can be, they're teachable, they're coachable, and they have potential. But I, I love the direction where officiating is going today, where it's it's a bunch of good. It's a bunch of good people. Uh, so you got to be a good person first and foremost, and that's really something you can't fake. Uh, and, and and be a sponge, be a student of the game. You know, you, you, you're not going to get better in, in this profession if you're not talking to a lot of referees. If you're not watching a lot of referees, um, you know, hearing scenarios. I learned from my students just as much as. You know, they learn from me. You know, watching their game film helps me. You know, and and I I, I just never turn down an opportunity, whether it's to watch an intramural game, um, or a high school game, or Division One game, or NBA game, or or even my colleagues in the G League repping game. So, gotta gotta be a student of the game, um, and then of course to still find balance. You know, this is something that we all love. You know, this is a passion of ours. You know, you catch that bug and you love it. But but this, this refereeing will never love you. You know, there are people in your life, people that will love you. There are partners in the game that will build friendships with and, you know, you can make lifelong friends in this. But officiating itself will never love you. And you got to, so you got to put it in its place and, 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 and make time for those who truly love you and, and also make time for yourself. You know, you got to also love yourself. And, and, and that was a great lesson that I learned um, right before I got picked up at the Division One basketball because I was sacrificing everything and everyone for my dream of being a big-time official. And, and I got a really amazing life lesson one summer when I realized that I was sacrificing people that actually did love me for something that will never love me. And, and, and now, you know, this passion of mine is, is in its proper place, but I still love it. <laughs> I think that balance is really crucial and important. You know, it's, it's, it's a crazy business we deal with, and you got to be able to have that balance to, to ground you. Uh, but I want to take a step back. I want you, for you to kind of explain to listeners a little bit about your current um, career path in terms of not officiating but your day job and how does that impact your officiating and your mentoring, mentorship? Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's, I work at NC State University currently. I'm, I'm, I'm a coordinator for uh, sports programs, which is, uh, broken up into intramural sports and club sports. And, you know, it's a full-time gig. The good thing is I'm on the officials training and development side of the house, which really complements the fact that I can leave work today at 4 o'clock and go work a basketball game. Um, but at the same time, you know, when it comes to the pro side of the house, I don't have the open availability that a lot of my colleagues do currently in the G you know, about maybe, and I don't have the actual stat on this, but I think only about 30% of us, if that, have full-time careers outside of officiating. Uh, so that, you know, that makes it, that makes it challenging. Um, but like I was sharing about earlier, you know, you got to put things in your life in perspective and, and, uh, you know, I, I got my master's in higher education. I, I love what I do in higher education. I do think that I am coming up to a time where I may separate from the world 
of higher education and take on another career path that once again provides more flexibility for officiating while still maintaining benefits and a salary. Um, but those have to be very, very strategic and calculated um, decisions uh, because, you know, they, they can impact, you know, you and your, your wellness. And then if for those who are, you know, maybe have significant others or children or whatever the case may be, or maybe taking care of their parents, things like that, you know, it takes a while to make profit as, a, as an official, you know, it takes a long time. You know, I've been wrestling 19 years, but, you know, it, it, it took over, uh, well over a decade to, to be profitable uh, as an official. And, you know, once again, it is happening quicker now, but, you know, my, my current career and job, which is different than what I first went to NC State to do, I, I, I did take a step down from the original assistant director position that I had in Multicultural Student Affairs. Um, so that I could have more flexibility, and it was a great, it was a great move because it kept me in higher education, you know, and it also um, allowed me more freedom and flexibility to officiate. And to go with the question, uh, with the mentorship component, it, it, it's allowed me to mentor much more um, than I was able to as a. Um, as an assistant director in multicultural student affairs. So, you know, I now have um, a host of, you know, students on my own campus, but also on other campuses that call in and with, with their game film and, and we review it and, and can do that. And, and it's something that's celebrated uh, with my current role. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who, you know, that's kind of like the crutch is, you know, I, I, I've gone to college to do this, um, but I also want a referee. And uh, it's, it's putting a strain on me with my career job. Um, and so what am I going to do? You know, and, and those are decisions that individuals have to make on their own. You know, I, you know, there's always games to referee, you know, and, and, and you know, when I was working on my master's, you know, and uh, during one of my semesters, I had Saturday classes, you know, and then I had Wednesday night classes. So I was, I was only, like, I took a hit that year in my schedule, but guess what? I have a master's degree now, and that, that's important. So, you know, it's, I think it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, you know, about with the fact that you got to really put this, in perspective, you got to put officiating in perspective in your life, and and, and you got to make. I think you got to make the best decision for you first, and then for officiating, um, because it'll fall into place. It'll fall into place, and and I think as you get further along in your career and doing different things, you can make different career changes that allow you to officiate more um, and then at some point maybe all you have to do is officiate you know but um, I would I would say to that you should always have you know other other options because you know we're all one injury away um, from not being able to go get up and down this court that we love to run on and and then what you know what what do you have what skill sets do you have to fall back on what resume do you have? You know, I think that that's 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 important uh, for this life journey because uh, it's not just hoops. No, that's that's crucial. And I kind of want to circle back to uh, one of Ralph's questions earlier. And I've seen you officiate, and I think you're one of the best officials I've seen in person that I know. But I still think your ability to spot talent is the most impressive thing I've seen. Um, how do you pick out an official before you ever see them officiate and say, this person has it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely um, picked out several officials in my, in, my, in my day that, you know, and even have helped 
you know, you know, them in their careers and some of them even have passed me up, which is freaking awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just really hard to describe it. Right. Um, you know, the it factor is, is, is hard to describe. It's almost like when you, when you see it, you just know, but, um, you know, when I think about some of the people that I have seen that I just saw them and, and just, and some of them before I even watched them work, I knew they were going to be great. And, uh, you know, work ethic is a huge part of it. I remember seeing Nate Searley, that actually the year I met you, Michael. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just how he was in the classroom how attentive he was in the classroom before they even threw up the first jump ball to start play. I could see, I could see the passion. I could see the work ethic. I could see the hunger. And, and, you know, obviously he had the fitness we were talking about earlier and he just, he just he just had it and I was like this guy this guy this guy is going to be the number one official here and he was right yeah, and yeah and and uh you know and I just you know I think of I think of you know a grad student you know that you know Kara Hunter that you know was a grad school at NC State a, a graduate assistant in housing Never thought about refing. Didn't even play basketball in high school or anything like that. And but just her her, her work ethic, her her passion uh, for like creating inclusion. Like she, she just the way she understood things let me know that she had it. And you know. Here she is in her third year wrestling total and just worked four Division One conferences this year and worked double-digit games, you know? Like, amazing. But the reason why is because of the work she put in. Because she's all the things I described earlier. She's a sponge. Her, her, you know, she's not afraid to work. She's not afraid to put in the work. She takes criticism. She, she, she has a, she's not afraid to ask for help. She has several people that help her, uh, and 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 that is why she is successful and will continue to be successful. You know, and you know when we were when we were back at UCF and we were becoming supervisors, you know, uh, as undergrads for our program, like it was also kind of taught there, like what attributes to look for. Uh, when trying to like almost, you know, pick up people like I just described to be like referees that maybe never even thought about it. Uh, you know, I don't want to uh, steal his story, but you know, Vladimir got picked out at being a player for as a freshman at UCF. You know, he was the team captain for the. Uh, the free agent team and and Gary Cahan who's now the associate director at at uh, the Rec and Wellness Center at UCF and and um, Steve Anderson were watching the game and they asked like if you could pick anybody out they t- were talking to each other and said you know if you could pick anybody out here that you think would be you know a great or, or it could be a referee for us, a ref, ref. Who would it be? And and Steve had his person picked out, and Gary had his person picked out, and they said, "All right, who do, who is it?" And when they pointed at the person, it was Vlad. You know, like Vladimir's in the working SEC conference game. You know, you know, he's in the G League, and you know, for nine years, you know, part of the pro system, and. Uh, and he just got picked out, you know, just like that. They wasn't even thinking about wrestling. So, you know, it's 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 hard to explain, but hopefully that gives somewhat 
of a of a glimpse into who has it. Yeah, Nelson, uh, Ralph and I just stand at each other in disbelief about how <laughs> just, incredible I, the journey could be. I really want to know where that hat is because <laughs> I, I want to start picking things out of there myself. <laughs> so, so, so wait, wait, wait. So you all were talking about what? No, we're just looking at each other in disbelief. Just like it's. I'm just. I'm. We're just listening to your story, and you know, like. I'm just thinking for myself. All the all the officials that follow me on referee rant. This is going to be so invaluable. This is going to, I guess, cross cross some uh, T's and dot some I's. It's going to fill a lot of questions because, you know, I think your passion first and foremost emanates through everything that you're saying. You see how much you're willing to work. And it seems as though not only are you willing to lead the men in battle, you're willing to be in the battle, which is a very commendable thing when it comes to officiating. Um, and I think all of the attributes that you say are something that anyone could pick up in their own toolbox and use as attributes for them to be there in successful career. But having said that, um, out of all the things that we've said, uh, what is it going to take to get to where you want to go and where do you want to go with this moving forward? Yeah, I think that's like, uh, probably the, the toughest question in the, in, in that I, that I can be asked because you know, I, I'm currently in, in in the NCAA and uh, Division One roster for you know several years, and I, you know, in my fourth season in G League, and you know, I, I I often refer to myself as a free agent. You know, no one has signed me yet. No one, <laughs> no one has uh, given me an offer I can't refuse, mm. uh, and. So I'm 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 open just like in life. I'm a very open person. I would never, you know, I would never want to be disappointed that I'm an NBA ref. You know, I would never want to be disappointed that I'm a, you know, in one of the big five conferences in the NCAA. Like for me, whether I have a number on my back or I'm wearing black and white stripes, I will always handle this business of officiating as a profession. I will always be a professional referee, regardless of what I do, because I will always handle it professionally, and I will always put in the work, and I will always work hard. I will always help others. I will continue to do what I'm doing now. So right now, I just continue forward with going to camps, with going to summer league, with working hard every single game, and at some point, I'm going to be signed. There's going to be an offer that I accept and that both parties are happy with. And, and, and that's where I'm going to wind up because it'll, you know, for I think my career, so it's going to be five on five in a basketball. And whether those five on five are professional athletes or whether they're NCAA athletes. I just want to ref boots. Mm. Simple as that, man. Simple as that. And we wish you luck on your continued journey with that. Now, having said that, I know you're going to service an NCAA game right now. And normally you don't record a podcast before you have a game. <laughs> so when you're not recording a podcast, what is your normal game day routine, whether it be a G League game, an NBA game, an NCAA game, an intramural game? I'm sure you have the similar mindset, but I just wanted everyone to uh, go through what what goes through your mind, your routine on those game days. Yeah, you know, um, for sure. So there's definitely a different um, preparation for a a pro game, um, personally, for me, versus an NCAA game. I think a big part of the reason why is because there are requirements on the pro side of the house, specifically in the G League, um, you know, it, one is, you know, flying into the city the the night before, and then, you know, the day of game, which traditionally most games are at 7 p.m., um, but at 11 a.m., once again, and most times, uh, we, we as a crew get together and have a day of game meeting. Uh, so 
I'll start off with my preparation for, 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 for a G League game, which is, like I shared, of course, flying in the night before, getting a good night's rest, heading over to that day of game meeting, after the day of game meeting, um, typically heading out to get some lunch. And then what I've been doing lately is then I take a nap followed by uh, getting up um, two hours before we're leaving to the arena so that I can go to the gym and get a workout in. While I'm getting my workout in, I tend to either play one of my games um, like that I have, have worked previously, or if I haven't seen the two teams that are matched up, I'll try to I'll, I'll download one of their games um, so I can see their style of play and, and get a little bit more information on them in that way while I'm working out. Uh, and then and then after that, I like to give myself an hour to handle, you know, the shower, the ironing of my, my suit, my jersey. And at that time, I'll, uh, I'll either put a basketball game on or I'll put something on that is inspirational, you know, where maybe it's some kind of documentary um, where um, people, successful people are having conversation or communication uh, just to get my mind in that, in, in, in that space of, like, uh, of, of success. And, and then it's off to the game where we usually pick up a coffee. I have my Dunkin' Donuts here right now with me. Um, but, uh, you know, grab my coffee, and that's more of a, like, a kind of just a, that warm feeling more than anything. It's not really caffeine. I usually don't even finish it. But, and then just heading to uh, the arena to, to prep and to meet up with the crew again and talk a little more shop to get our minds right, but also to kind of just connect and maybe even laugh a little bit and, you know, build it, build it upon that crew chemistry. Uh, and then, you know, you work the game and after the game, you know, you, you breathe a little bit and, and just kind of decompress and shower and go to dinner, break down your film and, get on your plane first thing in the morning with probably four hours sleep. And if you, if you, if you don't fall asleep, uh, you know, right away, you know, you're watching that game film again uh, on your own for your own self. Um, and, 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 you, and, you know, for me, I, I'll probably watch that game, same game two, three, sometimes four times, you know, depending on how much time I have in between games. Uh, you know, for a college day, you know, once again, most most of those most most people work in their regions. So, if it's a weekday like today, of course I have I have work, and then I leave work. So, you know, the preparation today was you know still breaking down film with that student. Um, so I'll still look at some film. You know, I wanna I wanna see basketball, and then and then the drive to the game is usually listening once again to either like national public radio or listening to an audio book of inspiration to, you know, to get that mind right. And I like to get to the arena earlier than we're supposed to. So there's no stress on the travel, you know, it's like, okay, if there's a delay, not a big deal. I'm going to get there. Uh, and, you know, get into the, get into the locker room early and, and start start the process for getting ready. I will say that when I do have Division One games, um, I I do still tend to follow my pro routine. Um, I, I I still prefer to fly in the night before, get into the city, um, and and follow the same routine I talked about earlier, minus the day of game because that's not a requirement. Your partners might be coming in the day of game from whatever city they were in, but my personal routine, I still like to follow for my Division One game. Yeah, one of the things that I learned from you when you talked, you know, at Ohio State when we first met, is that you said it was really important to take care of your mind, your body, in multiple aspects. Right, you need to have multiple doctors, you need to have 
you need to really prepare, you know, and treat your body. And you're an athlete, right? So I think, you know, you sharing that your game game day routine, and hitting the gym, and taking care of all aspects of yourself is really, really important part of the process. As much as video and breaking down film and you know working with the crew. So I, I do appreciate you said laying down like a guideline that I, you know our listeners can follow, and hopefully one day we can work the. Referee Rent podcast into your game day routine. <laughs> um, so we're uh, coming to almost an hour of recording. We don't want to take up too much of your time. You know you have a process for your for your games. So we do a couple of quick hair questions. All right, just some. Uh, you know you can give us some quick answers, and we just want to hit you some questions to get some answers. Yeah, well, I want to start with um, UCF football with the self-proclaimed national championship. Do you uh, claim that as legit or? Or they're not really the champions. You tell me. <laughs> hey, man, let me put it to you like this. When I was an undergrad, uh, we went completely defeated uh, my <laughs> freshman year or probably my sophomore year, probably both years. I think we had the longest losing streak in Division One football when I was an undergrad. So I'm just happy to see some wins. You know, I, I it's... It, you know, it's pretty cool to to have gone two seasons undefeated in the regular season. So, honestly, I, I, I don't care about, you know, what their title is. I'm just happy to see, you know, as an alumni, to see my university um, doing well, winning some games, but also growing, you know, their, their educational buildings and, and doing, you know, a new president um, of the institution. Uh, they just became a Latino-serving institution. So I'm just proud to be a UCF alum in, in all ways. Uh, so they're, they're, they're my champions. I, I don't know what the rest of the nation says. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, which high-level official was NBA or D1 official do you find yourself emulating the most? Huh. Oh, that's a that's a that's a great question. Got him stumped. You know, I, I, I I've always the two guys that before I got into the pro system that I always looked at uh, their game was uh, Mark Davis and uh, Kane Fitzgerald uh, on the NBA side of the house. I just I just really you know always appreciated their mechanics and just their their demeanor and you know. I now know them both personally. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're great guys, and, uh, but but I just love them on the court. You know, there's not too many guys that look like me on the court. Uh, you know, <laughs> so you know, you know, growing up, it was it was like, okay, well, no one really looks like me, but so let me just kind of find like some body types and some height um, that are a little bit more like me, uh, and then um, you know, on that. NCAA side of the house, you know, I, I, I really like, you know, Ron Groover, you know, Mike Eads, uh, uh, you know, Roger Ayers, um, Dwayne Gladden, Chuck Jones, uh, Anthony Jordan, you know, there's just, there's just so many on the college side that I, I, I look up to, but with them, it's more about who they are as, as people and as teachers and um, what they've done to me and for me as my clinicians, you know, throughout the last uh, 14 years that I've, you know, been on the college side of the house as well. What's the hardest um, call that you ever had or the stickiest situation that you've ever been officiating basketball? Hardest call? Well, so actually... My first game of the regular season this year, um, uh, you know, in the G League, we have a lot of different experimental rules and we have different triggers than, you know, even the NBA. Um, currently, we're, we are at um, five triggers that could take us to the monitor. And this season, first game of the season, you know, one-point game, uh, under 10 seconds left to go, there's a really tough out-of-bounds play. Um, and by the way, out-of-bounds plays are, are some of the toughest plays in, 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 in basketball. And um, 
and the ball just shoots out and I, I give it to I, I have it being White's ball um, in this one point game in which White is up one and I wanted to go to the monitor to review that play well that is not one of our triggers anymore so it's it's not a reviewable matter uh-huh. and the coach of the opposing team had already used his challenge and coaches have three things that they could challenge or technically four but so he could he couldn't challenge the out of bounds call so you know I, I I just felt so in a box on that play because I wanted I wanted to get it right. I wanted it to go to the correct team and 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 the trigger that I've had in the past I, I no longer had. Um, so that was a, a, a huge challenge because I, I I've never felt like a game was could be decided by a potential incorrect call that I have made. I've never really felt like that. Thankfully, after the game, we went to dinner. Of course, that's the first play I pulled out, and I got it right. So that was good. <laughs> what a great feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I didn't know. I didn't know So I got to review it later. So what's one of your favorite players you have ever officiated, whether on the pro level or the NCAA level? Player doesn't have to be anybody famous either. It could be just like when you know maybe yeah uh, yeah you know what what when it when it comes to what I think what would be easier to describe is the type of players that are are my favorite. You know, just like I want to put in the work. I like to work with players or officials that put in the work. I love a player that's a competitor and just tries hard and that is fair. I don't mind if a player gets upset with my call. I don't mind if a player gets upset with me. You know, there's a lot of emotions in in, in com- competition. There's a lot of emotion in wanting to win, and I respect that. And a lot of times that aggression that comes towards us as officials, we take personal, but that's just their will to win. That's just their will to get W. Like, don't we want to win? Don't we want to get every play right? Don't we get upset ourselves when we don't? So, of course, there's some, you know, some energy that goes our way sometimes. But the main thing, coach, player, whatever, is that I understand that. But I also need that to dissolve at some point and for for the player or the coach to then be fair because just like I'm out there to be fair, I want them to be fair. Um, so I love a player that can go out there once again, compete at a high level, give it their all. And, and at the end of the day, be fair and open to speaking to me about what it is they're having an issue with or not. That that's that's more than fair. I mean, we all deal with players, but like you know, at least we all like having that player on the court that you can relate to, um, and who you know they might get upset at something, but able to move on. I think that's really really important. Uh, last last question: What has been your favorite arena to officiate in? Aside from National Coliseum. <laughs> all right. So my favorite arena to officiate in has been the Quicken Loans Arena. Uh, that jumbotron, LeBron's jumbotron, mm-hmm. is humongous. <laughs> it, it is like the size of the full length of the court. Wow! It's super high definition, and you know, it, 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 there's just so much history on that on that basketball court. And you know, I don't have favorite team or anything, but just being on that in that arena and, and on that floor and, and knowing. And knowing the um, adversity that you know the city of Cleveland overcame, and, and, and building you know that arena and, and, and being in it has been a, a really cool 
experience for myself. Granted, you know, I've only repped on like five NBA floors, but that, that that's definitely been uh, the coolest one up to this point that I really appreciated being there, for sure. That's a surprising answer. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, man, we really have appreciated your time thus far. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to say before we part ways? Uh, well, I also appreciate you all reaching out to me and, and, and even considering me to be a person to, you know, speak to today and, and to interview for this podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I feel honored to, to, to do it and, and to, you know, be, be, be a person in this you know, thing that we love so much, um, and to be able to share, you know, some of my experiences that have come about over the last 19 years that I've, you know, been officiating. So, um, I, I wish you both the best I, and, and the same to anyone that, uh, listens to this. Um, and you know, Ralph, I'll still get to your game film. Yeah, uh, I, I know you didn't forget. I know you're busy. I know you're busy. It's okay. <laughs> but I'll get to it. I promise. It's still, it's still highlighted on the to-do list. That's good. Uh, but, but yeah, I, you know, for anyone ever wants to uh, reach out to me, um, you know, and and they have your guys' contact info. Yep. Um, definitely get me connected with them, and 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 we'll continue down this journey together. Yeah, man, and like I said, on um, I'm very happy to have uh, met you. I know I've only met you once in person, but um, I think you're going to be somebody that's going to be very beneficial for my growth in a career, even uh, just from afar, of just seeing how much your passion is just emanating just by listening to you in this conversation. It really has rubbed off, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm not working as hard as I should be, and, and I'm working pretty hard, but I, I, I just know that there's more work to be done. And, you know, one thing that really uh, stood out for me from what you said was that um, enjoy the journey, and that's something that I've always enjoyed. I've never tried to skip steps. I never thought about what's in the future. I always try to be present in the moment, whether it be you know a church league game, an adult league game, or a, or a high-level Catholic city game. I've always stayed rooted in the fact that I'm going to be present in the moment because you know that's, that's where we wanted to be in the first place. So let's not worry about things that haven't happened yet or might not ever happen. So Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Thanks. Perfect. Obviously, you made an impact when we first met. And thanks for staying in touch. And, um, you know, I want to encourage you, as you always will, but keep up the mentorship part. That's the most impressive thing to me as a fellow professional in higher education. Um, that's really a passion of teaching and educating that I love seeing in others. And, you know, I think that you get as much joy as your officials, you know, going really far, even surpassing your goals and where you're at right now, I think the pleasure you get from that, um, I, I enjoy. I enjoy hearing you talk about uh, the people that you mentor and where they're going. So uh, thanks for all you do for the game and all that you do for the level, uh, different levels of basketball. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. And, you know, I just, it did something that was modeled for me, and I, I just hope to uh, model that for, for the next generation. Good yeah, luck man. tonight. Yeah, good luck tonight. And um, good luck for the rest of your season. And we'll definitely all be in touch, man. For Nelson all Santiago. Right, yeah, man. For Nelson Santiago, right. Michael Grant. You got what? You got any more things to say? I'm sorry. Nope. I was just going to say have a great night. My man. Have Appreciate a great it. night, too. But for Nelson Santiago, Michael Grant, I'm Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. Peace.